For those of you who were here last year during the uh, Easter season, you'll probably remember that I kind of did bookends with some of Jesus' parables before and, and after Easter. And as I was looking at planning out uh, this, uh, this Easter time, I thought, you know, you actually left some of your favorite parables in the book. And so, um, so here they are. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. And we're covering uh, three of uh, Ernest Seale's uh, Learn to Live parables out of this book um, as we approach Easter here. And today I'm taking on kind of a longish parable. It's called The Laborers in the Vineyard. And, and I'll, I'll read it to you in a minute. But of course, you know, I like to start out with a joke. And I had the hardest time finding a joke about a vineyard. I did manage to find one about a bottle of wine, though, so here goes. <laughs> Almost the same thing, right? Almost the same thing. So Mary was driving home from one of her business trips in northern Arizona when she saw an elderly Navajo woman walking along the side of the road. As the trip was a long and a quiet one, she stopped the car and asked the Navajo woman if she would like a ride for company. With a silent nod of thanks, the woman got into the car. Resuming the journey, Mary tried in vain to make a bit of small talk with the Navajo woman, but the elderly woman just sat silently, looking intently at everything she saw around the car. She studied every detail until she noticed a brown bag on the seat next to Mary. What's in the bag? asked the elderly woman. Mary looked down at the brown bag and said, Oh, it's a bottle of wine. I got it for my husband. The Navajo woman was silent for another moment or two, and then speaking with the quiet wisdom of an elder, she said, Not a bad trade. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. (laughs) Forgive me for that. Forgive me for that. But, you know, finding jokes on a certain topic aren't as easy as you might think. All right. Let's, uh, let's get started, though, on the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. This is uh, from Matthew 20. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into the vineyard to work. About the third hour, he went out again and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, You go also and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you what is right. So they too went. He went out again in the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh working hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long and doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You go also and work in my vineyard. Now when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreperson, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each and every one received a denarius. Okay. Well, first of all, This story would have produced some hubbub when it was told 2,000 years ago. Because then, like now, there is the idea of, you know, if I work for 11 hours, I ought to get paid more than if I work for one or two hours. So right from the get-go, Jesus was engaging them with a, a somewhat topical story. Like, why would that be? 
And as we begin analyzing this parable, we're going to take it kind of in three gulps. First, we're going to talk about the literal interpretation. Then we're going to talk about the metaphysical interpretation. And then I'd really like us to personalize it. I'd like each one of us to sort of see where this parable might describe us or talk about our own lives. So, so first off, on to the, the physical or the literal um, uh, meaning of the parable. And so he was really challenging them. He was saying to you, do we all believe that we're paid by the hour? And of course, he would have gotten a lot of pushback on that. But one bit of information that's useful here to know is that the denarius was the smallest denomination Roman coin of, of the day. So, so essentially they were getting like the smallest amount of money for which a coin existed. But you know, times being what they were, the denarius was actually enough to buy food for a family for a nice meal. So everyone who was working in the vineyard that day did at least get a denarius, which would have been enough for them to buy food to take home to their families. But everyone got the same. So that's the literal meaning of the story. And, and again, the, the hearers 2,000 years ago would have gone, hmm, well, this is an interesting story. How do you figure that? All right, <laughs> on to the metaphysical meaning. Well, first of all, what you also need to know is even 2,000 years ago, people recognized that the vineyard is a metaphor for the spiritual realm. And whether, you're, um, um, you, know, whether you go to um, an Islamic temple, um, whether you go to a synagogue, for thousands of years, the idea of both wine and the vineyard representing spirit and spiritual matters has existed. And there are all kinds of um, Islamic uh, love poems written uh, about wine, which really mean about connection to God. And likewise, in the Jewish and the tr uh, Christian tradition, the idea of, well, that's why one of the reasons why wine is served at communion and stuff like that is, is it's a symbol of what is spiritual. And so the idea of going to work in the vineyard clearly is going to work on our own spiritual essence. What am I going to do on my spiritual journey as I move out into the vineyard to work? So, so that's the, the sort of easy part of this. Everyone, even in Jesus' time, would have went, oh, I see what he's doing. He's talking about the vineyard as my spiritual life. So how does this then relate to working in your spiritual life? <clears throat> well, what Jesus is actually saying here is it doesn't matter when you come to the vineyard. It doesn't matter when you begin taking up in more earnest your study of spiritual matters. It doesn't matter if you're a child. It doesn't matter whether you're of middle years. It doesn't matter whether you're maybe within a year or two of the end of your life. When you are ready to approach spirit, Spirit is ready to approach you. And the reason that everyone in the parable is paid the same is because really the reward, the spiritual reward, is the same for everyone. doesn't matter whether you've been going to church for 50 years or, or whether you've just started your spiritual journey. The idea is when you have learned about the spiritual life, when you have learned the spiritual principles that allow you to bring about more of a heaven here on earth, then you have the tools. You have what you need to make life the way you want it. You have the tools in your own heart and, in your, and particularly in your own mind to bring about your idea of heaven here on earth. And since everyone is given the same set of tools, everyone in essence is paid the same. So some recognize the power of the mind early on. 
Some people recognize the power of their own mind and their own connection to God in middle years, some much later. And you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're going to reap the same benefits of knowing that you are a co-creator with God. You're going to reap the same abilities to create a better life for yourself and the people around you. You're going to reap that same connection and beauty of being closer to God. So that's how it is that everybody gets paid the same in the parable. But you know, the other thing that I think is interesting, another metaphor or way of looking at this is God, by the way of Jesus, the master teacher here, is really saying that it's time to wake up. It's time to begin seeing that we're not helpless, that we're not the victims in this life, but that really we have an amazing amount of power over our own circumstances. And so this is this, this uh, awakening process, if you will, that can happen at various, sta- various stages in our lives. And I, and I want to underscore this with a short reading here from, um, from the book. So uh, Irvin Seal here, here's how he describes it. He says, for life is the employer of us all. It comes like a householder into the marketplace to hire workmen for the vineyard. Some of us are there early in the morning, eager to agree with life and life's principles. So we go to work and we toil all day. Then at the end, we receive the wages, the awakening that we agreed upon. This is justice. But some of us don't get to the marketplace until later in the day. We awaken late to the uses and the power of our own mind. But the moment we are there, the moment we are there, life is there ready to employ us. So any day is a good day to start. Any day is the perfect day with plenty of time in order to begin your spiritual journey. Okay, so I want to ask a personal question of everybody here. What is waking up in the morning like for all of you? If you were like me, Waking up isn't something that just happens like that. Now, I have a friend. My friend Joanne Schaefer and I uh, go on vacation together now and then. She, she's a wonderful person. But she, and I shouldn't say but, but to me it feels like a but. But she is one of those people that she is on like that at 6 a.m. in the morning. And we can go out and go dancing till 1 a.m. We can, you know, stay up late and watch a double feature, whatever it is. I am like zoned out. And at 6 a.m., hi, everybody, what should we do today? (laughs) Now, I'm sure there are those of you out in the audience that wake up like that, both literally in the morning, but also spiritually. And what I also know is there are people here in the audience today that are more like me. And whether it's in the morning or whether it's spiritually, it takes some doing. It takes some gumption. Do you know what I mean? There are days when it would be very easy just to spend all day in bed. And I think that life is like that too. I think that all of us from time to time would like to just pull our heads under the sheets and go back to being unaware of life and spirituality and our own power and our own ability to make changes that it would simply be easier to go back to sleep. What I also know, though, about everybody here, right? Once we've had a little bit of a taste of the power of being awake, that isn't going to last long. Maybe you can pull the covers up for a day or two. 
You know, maybe you can get yourselves into a situations like I do now and again where I just feel the victim, but it dries up pretty quick because what I know is you can't put the genie back in the bottle. What I know for sure is once we are feeling empowered, once we know that the full power, the full glory, the full presence of God is behind us and with us and co-creating this universe with us, there's kind of no going back. And so our awakening, I mean, I'll just say it this way. The fact that you are here in this room today listening to this message tells me that you're either waking up or have woken up already. Because I think that's the way it works. And so from here on, it's more about charting our course. It's more about thinking, what would create a little more awakeness in me? So I want to go on with this parable just for another minute here. Because it goes on to talk a little bit about that idea of the denarius. Now, is God really promising that we're only ever going to have enough to just get by? Because that's what the denarius really represents in the parable, that no matter what time you show up in the vineyard, you're going to get paid a denarius, right? And, that, and, and according to the parable back then, that would have been enough to buy a meal, kind of a substance living for our families. Think about this for a minute. What the, what the vintner do, is doing, though, they're hiring day laborers. They're hiring someone with no experience. That would not describe us in the vineyard of our own lives, would it? We have gone a little way down the path of awakening. We're not just day laborers. Many of us have taken classes. Many of us have spiritual practices. Many of us engage in prayer or yoga. Many of us have a, a long-term meditation prog- uh, uh, process. Uh, many of us ha- you know, read um, voraciously uh, around the science of mind and other spiritual principles. Many of us belong to other spiritual groups and participate in, in other spiritual things. We are not the day laborers. We have become somewhat skilled in this vineyard. And so the promise here, I think the promise is, the further along our spiritual path, the more dedicated we are to learning about ourselves, the more carefully we understand, as Ken was seeing, what we bring to the world, our unique gifts, the clearer we are around this, the more skilled we become, and the more God offers up to us as co-creators around making our lives more the way we want them. All of the parables in this section of the Bible are, are, are considered to be about, kingdom, about bringing the kingdom of God here to earth. They're called the kingdom of heaven parables. And so really he's teaching us in a very powerful way as it is done to us in our minds as we become co-creators, as we allow our minds to, to put aside the things that look like negativity going on around us and really focus on our connection to God, really focus on the truth of us as unique and creative and powerful beings, thus the reward comes. Thus the more um, employable 
Do you know what I mean? The more employable in the vineyard we become and the more highly skilled we become at our spiritual practice, at our understanding of our own power, at our ability to stand in the face of physical perhaps adversity out in the world and say, no, that's not the truth of me. The truth of me is that I am powerful. The truth of me is that I am love. The truth of me is that there is a peace and a compassion in me that can stand up to any kind of outward appearances. When we gain these skills, when we can enter the vineyard of our own lives with this level of assurance and truth and stability, the rewards are really unimaginable. Let me read how they close the metaphysical description of this here. He says, many good people suffer outrageously because in spite of their goodness, they still have a consciousness of misery and the expectation of reverses. And many a rascal rolls in luxury. I love this. Many a rascal. Many a rascal rolls in luxury and enjoys the approval of his fellows because being void of any conscience being void of remorse and refusing to condemn himself, he has the kind of consciousness which precludes danger and onslaught from without. And so it isn't, right, about what we do. It isn't about how we show up on the physical level that rewards, um, you know, creating the heaven on earth as the reward isn't going to happen to us just because we serve meals in a soup kitchen. If in our heart and if in our mind we are still standing there in lack and poverty, if in our heart and in our mind we still don't get what love is, we still don't understand the, the truth of our own power, then no matter how good we are, we may still suffer. And likewise, the, the rascals of the world, and I'm sure we could all think of one or two, um, you know, they meet, they're simply unconscious ability, right, to not accept any negativity, regardless of what they do in the world, is probably going to postpone that machinery that we call cause and effect for some little time. Obviously, it will catch up to them, but their ability in their own mind to not accept any blame, to not accept any, uh, any thoughts of discord or disharmony will go a long way, again, out in the world, to prevent them from seeing misery. So this parable is also asking us, how much good can we accept in our own lives right now? I don't know how to say it any plainer than that. How much good, how much love, how much life... How much peace, how much joy, how much abundance can you accept, right, in your own mind and in your own heart? And I'm not talking about what it looks like on the outside, right? It needs to start here first. We need to be able to think of ourselves as powerful in order to be powerful. We need to think of ourselves as abundance in order to experience abundance in the universe. We need to be able to accept in our own heart love for ourselves first if we're going to see that love mirrored in the people that we gather around us. It starts here in the heart. It starts here in the mind. And when we have it then, it'll start showing up in force on the outside. 
So the parable then is also about the gracious nature of God. We're all going to get that denarius. The, the fact that you're here right now tells me you're either awake or waking up. And because of that, I know you're going to get the denarius, right? You're going to get enough to get by because you've shown up. But what about the people in the marketplace that didn't show up at all? What about the people that stayed home that day? And more importantly, what about those of us who are learning the trade in some more depth? Those of us who are willing to do what is really necessary to learn more about our spiritual nature, to reclaim the power that is intrinsically ours, to really hold on to love and know that it's true for us in our heart, in our mind. For those of us, the power the glory, the riches of the universe as bestowed by God are so much more powerful than it. But you have to show up. You have to plan. You have to be willing to engage in a spiritual practice. And the more that you devote to it, the more that you devote to yourself, the higher your investment in your own mental and spiritual well-being the greater the reward, the greater the power, and the greater the love. And so that's your homework for this week, simply to answer the question, have you woken up and what degree is it? That's the third level of the parable, if you will, is to look within. If you were to enter into the vineyard right today in a forceful and powerful way, what are your skills? What are your spiritual skills? What are the tools that you bring? What is your spiritual life like. And if you want to take another step down that road, if you want to become more skilled in that vineyard of your own life, in your own spiritual life, what more can you do? What more skills can you pick up? Um, Could you take a class? Could you begin a a deeper meditation practice? Could you uh, maybe check out a few more books out of the library and study them? So that's your homework for this week. I'm going to close with one last thought from uh, Learn to Live Here. He says, For life is the employer of us all. Oh, wait a minute. I did that one. Just a sec. Sorry. I, I got too many paper clips in here. Here we are. All around us are the effortful ones striving and struggling to attain, but always attaining only what they have accepted in their meager consciousness. Around us, too, are the effortless ones, ones whose work contains a minimum of struggling and striving, and they, too, attain, but not according to the measures of any struggle or effort, but according to their consciousness of acceptance. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. It is this thing called life. And what I know about life, it is the acceptance and the understanding of all good. God simply is good. God is love, joy, peace. God is all good things that can be imagined or that could ever have been imagined. And above all, God is that sense of power and truth and of spiritual principles. 
And as this is true in general, I know that it means me. I know that my life is accepting of the good that God has, that my life and my heart expands to a greater understanding of connection with God, allowing my mind to be clear around the good that I am to receive, around clear around the good that I am likewise here to share on this planet. The good that I wish to receive, I must become, I must embody, I must be. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room, there is a greater willingness to take that inward journey, to understand more about the self and the thoughts and the feelings and the beliefs that make up truly this heaven on earth. And so for each person here, I know there's a willingness maybe to take a look at their spiritual practice, to judge and to think about how they have woken up. I know that each person here is a little more willing, I think, to take a look within and understand the thoughts that are going on there, the beliefs around spirituality, the ability to show up more skilled on this spiritual path and to make a greater difference to ourselves and the people we love to show up authentically on this planet as the power, as the presence, as the light, and as the truth that is the God from within. And I am simply grateful for this. I'm simply grateful to be in the presence of God showing up as the powerful people in this room right now. Grateful to God as that, uh, that metaphor of the vineyard of pure spirituality calling to each one of us. And so, with great love, I just let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you very much. Thanks for being here today.